This is the end, my friend. Do you know what would be really jarring would be if I opened this episode of the podcast? I think you just have. I think it's okay. All right, then. It's a bit weird, but well, I, can, I can live with it. I mean, this episode opens with the nebula. I'm going to say it's a nebula. And honestly, if you didn't notice it, are you even a fan? What an opener. When I saw it, I just thought, because I, I almost thought they were going to do the Next Generation intro, you know, with the, with the um, NFIT whoosh, whoosh. Obviously, that would have been a bit weird, and they didn't. But they, they might as well have, right, with showing that nebula. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, and then we obviously have the excellent cameo from Chekhov with a with a really nice like nod to Anton Yelchin by having Anton in his name. This is President Anton Chekhov. He does that warning, telling people to stay away. But what did you think of this um, Chekhov well, warning? Well, they, they said, um, well, we go back to the first episode of our podcast in this season. I think I said something like, it's a movie or it's a film. And, and I'm standing by that statement. It's it's gotta. Be, can we count this as a next generation movie? Yeah, I mean, I think you said that you, all you wanted from this season was um, Star Trek: The Next Generation season eight. They almost got there, didn't they? But what they've also done, I think, is they've made First Contact two. But they've made a sort of almost a direct sequel to Star Trek: First Contact, which, in my opinion, is honestly the best Star Trek movie. It's the one I think I enjoy the most, and I love how much how how much sort of of a callback these last two episodes are to, to sort of first contact as a movie. And and do you know what? It was so obvious when you think about it. The fact that the show uses the first contact theme and there's so much sort of first contact music, it was almost like hidden in plain sight, this sort of Borg threat and this kind of continuation of the first contact themes. I've been talking a lot about how much I like the effects. All the way back when you had the Titan breaking the tractor beam, the the warp effect when it just appears and you get that tremendous flyover i, I was thinking to myself how what, what how did they do that in the old show and they didn't did they they just started with the ship it like by the planet and then you would go to captain's log and they would do a flyby because i guess it was a model but just i really i really thought that was awesome the way they bought the the analog ship as it's now known and the detail of that flyover yeah you'd see the ship go to warp wouldn't you but i don't recall so much seeing the ship come out of warp from the outside like you'd see it from from the view screen and actually i saw someone on twitter today um pointed out that um the view screen warp of the enterprise d is the sort of original like the way the stars move is the same way as it was in the original series whereas if you compare it to what warp looks like when the titans at warp it's sort of this more sort of colorful blue stripey thing which arguably can be explained by the ship sort of operate in a different way, but it was a lovely touch to sort of include the original. Different warp, different warp technologies. I did not notice that, but I, I think I must have seen something you liked or something on Twitter. And when, when I saw it, I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's just very, very subtle. But yeah, it just, that was that was awesome uh, touch of detail. But my God, that it looks so good. And, you know, I was I was a bit sad that um, they didn't make any other sets of this ship, but like you don't see anything but the bridge of yeah, the Enterprise. Yeah. My God, it looks so great, both inside and out, and I absolutely season, love it. Season four, maybe. So they go to Jupiter, and that's why we get that effect, right? And 
Picard stands up and he's like, you know, the, the how old is he in the show? Not in real life, but in the show, you you pointed he's out. He's in his late 90s, I think. He's late 90s. And he, he looks on the view screen of this, what has been described as an analog ship, right? So I'm assuming it's not 4K. It's probably <laughs> like 720p or whatever. But he, he gets up out of the chair and he goes, <clears throat> and you think, all right, so the 97-year-old looking at the view screen to text the ship like come on like that they, they, they would have picked that up right or that 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 just seemed a bit strange to me it was done for effect i loved um how massive the borg ship is because we know that the um the enterprise d is this like massive ship compared to sort of like every other ship but the cube makes it look absolutely tiny why is it so big it's ridiculous because then they say at some point, oh, well, you know, like, it's only 30% of it's active. I don't know. It's, it's say it sort of it looks like sort of quite, quite like a shanty town, doesn't it? Like it's sort of every remnant of the Borg that was left sort of just amalgamated together, perhaps. But I don't think it's ever really explained. I thought if you go back to Q, is it Q who? The, the cube is massive. Like, but I remember watching that. Mm. Like, admittedly, it was the, the early 90s or late 80s. And it, it was terrifying. It was like, did they need to make it? Like, I, I, I don't know. Like, whatever. But still. it's true. They've always know. been very big. Yeah. We got to that point where Picard says, It's an invitation. And you think, okay, what what is going on here? There's obviously a, a Lacutus thing. They, they work it out. Data shows some real emotion here, doesn't he? Saying, like, I. I didn't really remember kind of I know he was obviously quite involved in First Contact where he gets kind of you know she starts like grafting skin onto him oh yeah I remember that I remember having like Data having a lot of sort of personal contact with the Borg so yeah it jarred me a little bit that it makes me laugh how careful they're still being to make this season accessible to people that have never seen any Star Trek before there's a line on the bridge where Picard basically explains that the Borg are a hive mind and I'm like who is he talking to? Everyone on this bridge right now knows the Borg as intimately as he does. So that line is really only there for anyone that that is watching this show as as their first introduction to Star Trek and don't really understand what the Borg are. So anyway, yeah, it's a, it's a big cube. They get an invitation and then, yeah, Data doesn't go, so he shows some emotion. I think that's good character development, even in a 10-part, you know, final, I guess, show season, but I see it as a final and then Picard says, he goes to go off the bridge, right? And he turns around and says, It's been an honor serving with you all. Oh, they're going to kill them. This is bad. And it's done in a way that it's almost like it feels like it's the right thing to happen. Like you, you get where this is going to go, right? This <laughs> cannot have a good ending. All right. Spoilers. Psych. On first watch, it was brilliant because it it toyed with our emotions. It really made us think that they were setting this up to be sort of Picard's goodbye um, without wanting to skip to the end. It is impressive that they all make it out alive. Well, they did the heroic death in Nemesis, and I'm not sure. I'm not sure that's really the direction. We said it on the last episode, right? If if you followed any other ship, <laughs> it randomly explode. But this ship, mm. we've got higher hopes. And, and it would have made for a sort of a, a sad ending, I suppose. And actually, the way they, they played this out, we get a, a happy ending. 
with no downsides um and that's a good thing it didn't leave us with um, any sort of bad feeling and i think that's what they went for but they certainly played on our emotions and tricked us into thinking that they were gonna off some people quite a lot happens on that on that cube i think just general development of, of the story I'm, I, I'm surprised at how much they managed to pack in story-wise and it was a longer episode right it's one of the longer episodes like it was it was a full hour but just crazy the amount the, the amount they managed to pack in i don't know which part it is but i think uh, there's a part where um Riker picks up wolf's um batleth is that is I'm, it's not a batleth is it it's the, not a batleth no it's what what's the name of it i got i don't have can't recall the name but it's a new weapon that they've introduced oh in, is it oh okay it's not like just yeah. the um the small that would have been a great quiz question wouldn't it um, yeah no, it's something absolutely new. I think it's this new sort of Klingon sword that's been introduced. To... Mini, mini demi Batlev, uh, let's call it that. But yeah. all right, so that was all very entertaining. And at one point, you you do go back to the Titan because I guess they have to um, sort of around the just before the twenty minute mark, I think. And you've got uh, seven or nine Raffi, and uh, you're on the you're on the Titan with the widescreen monitor and no carpet. Which is All cool. the stuff I mean... on the Titan in this episode is absolutely mental, <laughs> and I'm not sure it really adds much to the story. But it's it's fun to see. I had a note that was like, you know, the guy that's like, yeah, I'm just a cook. Who is this guy? Did did he win a contest to be in an episode of Star Trek Picard? <laughs> it's <laughs> such a random inclusion. I love it. Um, it's funny, and obviously there's lots of little moments of levity and what is other quite other, otherwise quite a serious plot. But um, also like. Several episodes before, when Ro Laren appears, she strips the the Titan of all but like a skeleton crew. But <laughs> part of that skeleton crew was apparently a cook. It's like I love the fact that I'm, and maybe Shaw insisted on it because we know from sort of the opening episode that he he loves a blue steak. So maybe there was an in <laughs> Shaw being like, well, sure you can take off all the crew, but but leave the chef on a ship that has replicators. It always sort of it a surprises me that there's that that um, there are still chefs, but it. It lends itself to the theory that replicated food is just not as good as real food. I could have, you know what? We could have had a cameo for Mott. That, that yeah. was option. <laughs> that would have been good. You get a bit of that, and but then it goes back to the to the main thing with the ball cube, and you get the ball. The ball queen is back, so it's different actress, but same voice. Is that is that right? It's a, it's another actress that is doing the actual. Um, appearance of the Borg Queen, and then the voice is Alice Krieg, which was great. There's a bit where Riker says, "My God, look at that thing," um, <laughs> and it just feels like we have to we have to continue to acknowledge how much of a um, Star Wars ripoff a lot of this episode is. And I realised that the the line that it sort of sounds like is there's line obviously in Star Wars where he says, "Look at the size of that thing," and it's it's so close. My God, look at that thing. And there's a, there's quite a few. Um, Death Starry kind of parallels to this the size of this cube and the way that they interact with this cube. Witness your future's end. She loves saying, oh, she said it twice in 30 years. Yeah, I, I, I looked it up actually, and it's a slight twist because she says, Watch your future's end in first contact. But here she says, Witness your future's end. So she's not ripping herself off too much. Witness what? Your future's end. Yeah, it's another first contactism, which is which is brilliant. And it's this like faux confidence of the Borg Queen, the fact that she sort of invited, she sort of allowed him to come on board just so that she could toy with him. And, and actually that end up, ends up being her downfall. She also kind of explains to him 
how to beat her. <laughs> it's almost like the Borg Queen wants to lose because she she says to him, "Only only Jack can choose to leave at this point without killing him," which I don't think Borg, I don't think Picard initially was that closed minded to anyway. But um, yeah, the Borg Queen for a for a woman that um, seeks perfection makes a lot of crazy moves in this episode. But the performance is awesome. Um, the look is incredible as well. This is obviously the first episode. We, we only see her from behind in episode nine. So when you see actually like the grotesqueness of her. I was like, um, you say they rip off Star Wars a lot, but when you look at Alien or Aliens, the, the, the sort of look of that, I know, I know it wasn't like exactly the same, but it was definitely down that alleyway, right? Yeah. The interior of the ball cube, I was going to say, was really great. Um, but it, look, it it feels big. Like, it feels like when they're walking around that cube, it feels like there is a lot about that. I, I get a sense of scale, probably with just shooting the same set from different angles. Well, something happens and they, they retarget weapons at the Enterprise. It looks good, though, doesn't it? it can I, for, for the analog ship, I'm, I'm obviously annoyed that they... Oh, well, it's not analog. It's, I, why? That thing should not be in a museum. It's still cool. Don't... <laughs> I don't understand this, but whatever. It was, and it was never analog. It was the weirdest line of dialogue I think anyone has ever written, and also <laughs> somehow made it to screen. Like, at what point? Like, was that did that person not understand how technology works? Like, was the NTSD ever run on clockwork? Because if it wasn't, then it's not analog. Um, a lot of red phases in this episode, and I, 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 I haven't actually gone back and checked this, but I remember the phases. I think they are when the when the. Enterprise D is attacking the, the or, or defending itself or whatever when uh, Beverly does that thing where it's like a lot's happened in the last 20 years. When they're attacking the space station, it's just pure red phases. It wasn't like that in the next generation purely, was it? There were like green phases, red phases, orange phases. It might be a race specific thing. It might be that the Romulans always had sort of green phases, and I definitely think the Enterprise D had orange phases. Um, yeah, and then. They've got it. They've got to figure out a way to stop this, right? And they they realise the only way they can do it is um, getting into the middle of the 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 Borg Death Star. Cube. You say Super Cube. The Borg Super Death Star Cube. Um, yeah. And then they're like, ah, oh, we can't do it. So they just give up. And then and Data's like, ah. Please, everyone, just trust me. And they're like, I oh, he can do it. So. They take the Millennium Enterprise through the exhaust shaft and fly it, fly it into the middle of this thing. I'm so I do have a gripe at this point. Why? So the saucer section is bulky, and Wolf says it in an episode. When relieved of its bulk, the Enterprise becomes an exceptional weapon. And I guess because it looks stupid without the saucer section, so they also didn't do it for nostalgia. But like, it looks like oh. a, it looks like a headless chicken with, a, with the saucer <laughs> section. Yeah. yeah, but if but okay, but can we agree that if there was any kind of logic, it's like, all right, Geordie, what good job picking it up off the planet, but we don't need that right now. The the impulse engines don't light up on it. Did they? Did they? Did he explain that when he said like stuff's not working? <laughs> I didn't notice. There's the middle red impulse. But there's the two impulses on either side, the, the port and starboard. They're, they're not lit up at any point. And I, I thought, as a kid watching this, that was what made it go left and right. But I guess they're not on. You're an engineer. So, no. Sure. Yeah. But anyway, they keep, yeah, they keep the saucer section on. So whatever. I mean, if you're going to fly through a Death Star, 
I'd probably take the sword section off. That thing is well, just, just, said, just pretty yeah. fat. Fly both. You got W. <laughs> How amazing would that have been? Would have been cool. Wouldn't it? They go back to the to the fleet then, and they get the target locks. There was the target lock, Rome, I think. Target lock, Berlin, obviously where I am. It was in London. <laughs> it's got missed out. So you, uh, you would have been okay. Yeah, yeah I mean, I was, I'm, I'm assuming it for you the target lock on London. Mm. That's a brilliant scene, isn't it? Because, um, because the Borg love just wasting time. Like, why, why are they doing all these target locks? Just, just fire your weapons already. It's ominous. It's ominous. Wonder how, the, how those cities will, will, will get on. You know, London's fine, but it also makes me wonder how we're going to get on in this week's quiz section. Episode 10, quiz number 10. And as it's our last episode in the season, we're doing something a little different. We're going to have 10 questions today. And Mark, I realize it's your, your turn to quiz me. But since it's our last episode, we've invited our guest host back. And Sylvia has kindly agreed to come ask us some more trivia questions. Hi, it's a pleasure to be back, guys. Um, so today, as Scott was mentioning, we're going to do 10 questions. We're going to change the dynamic. So it's not going to be a question for each. It's going to be a buzzer contest. So whoever hits the buzzer first gets to answer the question. I've prepared questions only about Picard season three. So no TNG stuff, no previous Star Trek stuff. Well, I mean, I, did you, where, where did you source them from? The internet or listening to the, to the podcast? <laughs> you think one of them would help us? <laughs> well, I did watch the whole season. I thought it was a good one. I didn't laugh as I did with season two, I guess. So I think it was good. All right. So before we before we start with the questions, should we uh, should we check the buzzers are working? Mark, can you can you show us your buzzer? All right, here goes. Yeah, seems to be working. All right, very good. And my buzzer will be. The classic. What is? I mean, that—that's the shuttle bay doors. I've gone for. What? What have you gone for? Well, it's on here as a red alert klaxon sound. Apparently, I don't know from which show, but um, apparently it's but, another. It's not even, is it even Star Trek? <laughs> it's definitely from Star Trek. It's on trekdoor.com forward slash audio. Oh, okay. Play it again. All right. I, I think it's. It's TNG era, I think. I don't think that's original. Don't know, it's hard to tell. Are you guys ready? Let's ready. do this. Okay, question number one. What's the name of the first episode of season three of Picard? It's the, it's the next generation. That's correct. Question number two. What's the name of the ship in which Picard and Riker find Beverly and Jack. I believe it's called the Elios. Yes, that's correct. Question number three. What sort of work 
is Mr. Worf doing for Starfleet in season three? Oh. It's classified. He's working for Section 36, isn't he? But what is his role? General badass. So that's not the answer. So Mark, you can steal that question from Scott. Hmm. I don't know if I'm going to get much more specific, but he's, he says he's working for Starfleet Intelligence, but as a kind of an outside contractor. Correct. Babe. He's not part of Starfleet, he's a subcontractor for Starfleet. Uh, such an IT question. <laughs> like, that was, I, Mark works in IT, that's the only reason he got And he's a subcontractor, yeah. I guess, so he felt yeah, he's, somehow like... <laughs> he's, he's working for Starfleet, but through a limited company that he set up for tax purposes. Brilliant. Brilliant. Right. Question number four. What is the voice on Jack's hallucination saying to him Scott get out no Mark you can steal that from Scott is it come home no nope. it's something like I realized no we didn't get that but it's it's like run or um, go Find me. Find me. It's I, don't, find don't get a, me. I don't get a point for that. No, it's too long, was it's it? It's find Damn me. It. Yeah. Question number five. So found, on... found the answer. Just saying. Question number five. On episode four, when um, Captain Shaw joins Jack and Picard on the holodeck and recounts um, a story, which experience does he recount? Uh, he tells the story of when he was in the Battle of Wolf 359 and escaping from the Borg, being the sort of the last person to get onto the escape shuttle. That's correct. Okay, um, question number six. This should be an easy one. In which episode did we see Professor Moriarty? Go, Scott. Five. That is not correct. I'm going to say six. That is correct. Yeah, yeah. I, I was half tempted. I was like, what actually happened in five? It's not like we spoke about it. Lauren episode, I think. Yeah. yeah. Question number... Question. And it was funny that it was question number six. I realized I was like, I'm giving away the answer without actually... Okay. Question number seven. Name one of the non-European cities that is targeted by the Borg in the last episode. Scott. San Francisco. Yes, that's correct. Did you have to write them all down? Were there many? Was it New York was one as well? Yeah, New York, Philadelphia, San Francisco, and Cairo. Which is really weird that they target Cairo. Is it because of the pyramids or something? Because it's not a major metropolis. It's not a major metropolis. Like, would you, you would go for, like, Pekin or, like, anywhere else in, like... That's, in... The, that's the problem with the book. They're, they're unpredictable. They go for, like, economic centers and Cairo. Really. Like, anyway. I mean, it's the 25th century. Maybe Cairo is buzzing. It could yeah, be, maybe. like, yeah. could be yeah, like yeah, Dubai. That's a good maybe. point. They, they, like, re, I don't know, came back like the phoenix from the ashes of the Egyptian <laughs> Empire. I guess so. They did, like, a refresh. Terraform that, does it? <laughs> 
Okay, this is another... No, no, hold on. <clears throat> um, so, question number eight. This is another name the episode question. What is the name of the last episode of season three? Scott? The Last Generation. That's correct. God damn it. There was a lovely um, Twitter interaction where someone said, oh, I don't think by last they mean final. I think they probably just mean, like... Um, previous, and then one of the creators of the show basically replied and said, "No, we mean final." Like, oh, shit. Everyone was like, "Oh god, they're all gonna die!" Like, <laughs> okay. So, question nine: When Laura and Data are fighting for survival, Data starts giving Laura memories and different objects. What is the last memory he gives Laura? Go, Mark. Is it his cat, Spot? Correct. Spot wins again. If I ever have a cat again, I'll name it Spot. Final question. Here we go. Which is the first character of TNG that we see in season three? Go, Mark. I mean, it's it's John Luke Picard, isn't it? It's not. <laughs> is it Beverly? Yeah, it's yes. Beverly Crusher. <laughs> I was gonna buzz because I was like, well, of course it's Picard. And I was like, wait, that wouldn't be a question otherwise. And who was it? <laughs> who was it? I can't remember. Of course now, yeah, because they had the big opening. And yeah, it's a long time ago. Yeah, ten episodes ago. Well, um, so you've done great. Uh, I realized this wasn't the easiest quiz ever. Well, the final score is Scott has four points and Mark wins with five points. Uh, if you want to learn more about Picard season three, you can go on Wikipedia. It was actually very helpful for me. <laughs> so there we it go. It was really nice. I really enjoyed um, revisiting things that I'd forgotten about those episodes. Surprising, that was a nice way to finish off. Surprising how much we, we forgot how, uh, so quickly. It's, it's, it's almost like it'd be great to have a, a podcast to listen to just to refresh our memory from time to time. But there we are. Sylvia, thank you so much for coming back, hosting the quiz. Thank you for inviting me back. Pleasure as always. Yeah, thank you, Sylvia, so much. It was a good quiz. Thank you for having me. All right. And now I think it's time we get back to some episode 10 discussion. They get to the point where they realize they data you know he's done his millennium enterprise falcon thing and they get to the middle and the forge immediately notices and says hey, are you seeing this we could just interface to the very substructure of the ship that i think and you know there's a lot to choose from in this episode but i think that's my favorite part of this episode by 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 a by a way, actually, where Geordie says, get ready to fire torpedoes to, I think it's to Beverly. And Beverly just has that look of, all right, Jack's on the ship, but we, this is what we need to do. And Geordie looks at Deanna, who realizes Will is also on the ship, but this is what we need to do. And also Picard is on the ship. And then, and then 
Jordy just if you rewatch it he 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 says target the beacon fire torpedoes and the look in his face is such a look of it, it's a strange look of this is the right thing to do but I but I but I regret having to do it uh, that, that sense of duty and uh, crazy good crazy good scene absolutely love that yeah no one cares wharfs on the ship but as you say um it's a heart-wrenching moment for Deanna and for Beverly thinking of um, of Riker and Picard. I'm surprised that that's your biggest moment because for me, the big moment of the episode, like the absolute peak of this episode, is the is the point just after that where um, Deanna suddenly realizes that seemingly through feeling Riker's pain. So it's it's a lovely sort of it's not explicitly stated. But it feels like a little callback to the fact that part of the sort of subplot of this season was that Riker had sort of shut himself down. He's feeling his pain again and that um, and that Deanna can sense him. And so then she realises she can find him. And then the Enterprise-D appears above them. It's sort of like it tears the roof off of the chamber that they're in. And this massive Enterprise-D just appears above them. And it's it's one of those scenes that they would never have had the budget to do in the original show but looks absolutely brilliant when you see that and it gives such a realistic for me it really worked the sense of scale i realized that um we haven't really talked about the fact that the apex of this episode like the way in which the um the threat is resolved is picard gives his son a hug <laughs> particularly wanted to talk about that scene because it, I don't think anyone's ever really explained before. We've never really seen on screen before what it's like to be sort of inside the Borg collective. I think there was some exploration of this in Voyager. The Borg Queen makes all these lines in First Contact about... Um, she explicitly says to Picard, um, you have no idea of the life you denied yourself. And, and that never really made sense to me until this episode where you see Jack inside the collective... It, it then makes the Borg make kind of sense. If that's the experience of everyone that becomes a Borg drone, that they kind of exist in this euphoria, every time we've seen, the few times that we've seen someone sort of separated from the collective, it's been a tough separation. And then actually, like, when you're on the inside, and, and it kind of, it, it, it lends sort of, um, it makes sense of the Borg Queen's perspective on what the Borg is. If... if mm. Um, the experience of being in the Borg is this kind of sense of euphoria. It's sim very similar to the Nexus, isn't it? Picard says... Then if you won't leave, I'll stay with you. Obviously, to the Borg, that makes no sense. And and it it's what results in, in Jack basically getting out of it. But did he do that on purpose? Yeah, I don't know. I don't think we were supposed to infer from that that this is a sort of a clever play or a twist from Picard. It's just him accepting that when it comes down to it, even when the entire universe is at stake, when you've sort of created this, and I have to say, like, I have to say the bond that um, Picard forms with Jack feels a little artificial over the sort of 10 episodes that we see, that there's there's such a limited interaction. You know, there's not tons of interaction between them, but it's, it's somewhat artificial that the bond that they that they managed to build. But still, you, you the do idea see... of this sort of sense of fatherhood transcends yeah. even time together. Like once you know you're the someone's father, it kind of it it it, it seems to almost unlock this idea in Picard's head that protecting Jack above all else is his primary function. And I think he's not trying to defeat the Borg in that moment. He's just trying to do right by his son. 
but it happens to defeat the Borg at the same time. They they do do that bit where they they get out, and um, I think Jack pulls the the thing out of Picard, and the, the effects fade, or the the, the the simulation fades. Yeah, I noticed that. It was a really nice touch, actually. I didn't watch. Um, I don't think I noticed that on the first watch, but when I rewatched um, it, it's a real subtle effect. But yeah. yeah, we move on. They go they go back to the bridge of the Enterprise, and then we go back. Uh, we we now go back to the uh, Titan again. As a result of the destruction of this beacon, everyone is immediately unborked. I don't know if there's a right word for that. The Borg Queen talks about how she realises that their future is not in assimilation, but in evolution, which amuses me because it's kind of like, well, then <laughs> then you weren't as perfect as you thought you were, um, because you're basically suggesting that you need to evolve in order to reach perfection. Um, it's almost like the, the Borg Queen goes through a lot of... Um, uh, growth in this episode before she dies for the third time yeah it was very convenient that everyone who had become a walk drone immediately stopped being a walk drone when the signal ended and obviously it allowed this episode to move forward at the pace that it needed to move forward to resolve all of the issues of this episode within the time that we had yeah i think when you've got 18 minutes left of a of a 10 part season you you need you need a quick fix yeah (laughs) they they build in the transporter thing that actually filters out the changelings. I mean, changelings went to the main plot point to who? Just very no, cool. and that and that jarred me because it was kind of like all the build up to this was that the changelings had infiltrated every level of Starfleet, um, which was you know it was it was a rehash of that season one finale that we um, we've never revisited. The, you know the sort of brain slug conspiracy episode mm-hmm. where you know the every level of starfleet had essentially been infiltrated to sort of hand wave that away felt sort of a shame that we'd, we'd built up this big threat and then they were able to kind of go well yeah um, but beverly basically created this system where we can just filter them out through the transporters and it's kind of like oh okay i guess that doesn't matter anymore because they just sort of ran out of time at this point i almost kind of wish they'd left it in place and left the opportunity for a for a future show to continue to have to deal with that threat I did also think we were going to go down a different path. I mean, obviously, I didn't think this was going to be Borg. I think I was pretty pretty outspoken about that. And I thought it was going to be something else, a, a conspiracy in Starfleet. But I, I, li- I liked the way it ended. I thought it was a great, you know, it was great. So even though it could have gone a different way, I think that's just part of me thinking, well, I kind of wish we had like two or three more seasons left, you know, we could yeah, end the season. for sure. Within the constraints of the fact that they obviously needed to wrap up here. Yeah. And yeah. I'm glad that there was essentially a wrap up because um, that would have been frustrating. If this had left ended on a cliffhanger when they've announced this as the final season, I think that would have been very fr- frustrating as a fan. They, they wrapped it up and that made sense. We get back to the Titan. Seven is captain. Well, seven resigns, denied, is captain because of Shaw. By the way, you know, you mentioned earlier about the, the Star Wars, everything Star Wars that was. Do you know the way that was a thing that they put on the desk and played it and, and Shaw like popped up as a sort of hologram, like a Star Wars <laughs> style emperor <laughs> thing? Yeah, I only know that. Really that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was a very Star Wars y thing. Um, we go to Picard LaForge on the on the bridge at the tactical console 
and they initiate shutdown procedure. Computer, initiate shutdown sequence. Shutdown procedure initiated. Uh, that made me very sad. It was a little sad seeing the lights go out on that ship when they've only, and it feels like they've only just come back on. But it's nice to know that it's there. They didn't blow it up again. They could bring it back if they need to. God, I hope that they keep the set that they built. Like, imagine if they've thrown that set away. I, would I think, admit. I think they imagine will. I, I just find it weird the way that's now in a museum. I know the economics of the 21st century are a little different, blah, 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 24th century, whatever. Surely it can be doing some good work. I mean, it just went up against the ball cube. It, it There's a little, I realize I need to drop this because no one cares. <laughs> but there's a little inconsistency in my mind that if it can still go up against the ball cube, it's not analog and it should be doing something. It's just weird. Like, consider yeah. the scale of that thing. It, it, they just they just leave it there, whatever. whatever. Yeah, it's the same with every ship. I mean, Voyager should not be in that museum, um, okay. for sure. <laughs> that ship was very advanced for its time. It is high um, mileage. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's travelled a few few thousand light years. You see um, that they're in the... Is it Shuttle or something? And that they're going to this new ship with Jack and... Picard says, it's, it's all on you, son. Um... Did you think at any point when just before they revealed the name, when they said Jack said something like, "Oh well, they decided in in honor of you and your crew to give it a new name," did you think it was going to be called the USS Picard? I think the future show, when they're on the when they're on the Enterprise, is going to pull more viewers, and that's why it's called the Enterprise. That's yeah, my my for favorite. sure. Yeah. So we get to the bar. It's all winding up now, isn't it? And, um, yeah, you were just, I, what, like, you know, it could have ended when they shut down the Enterprise, you know, the shutdown procedure, but we, we go back and we end up with Patrick, Patrick Stewart doing his Shakespeare, Shakespeare line. I, I assume, I, I don't know if that is Shakespeare. It just sounded very Shakespeare to me. Yeah, um, I looked it up. I assumed it was as well. And it's, um, it's a speech from Julius Caesar, apparently. Oh, it is. Okay. Okay. And then, um, You've got Data doing his... There was a young lady from Vietnam. Which I, I think that... that He also tried to do that before, right? I think it was in one of the movies. It's... No, I don't know if it's in the movies or if it's, it's in one of the episodes where I'm he starts wrong to about tell that. that joke. He's yeah, on the bridge and he starts to tell that joke. And then it goes back to cards. And one one point I noted here, he... he when he was on the and back on the Enterprise, he said number one, you know, straight away. When he was back here, he said, "Will," and he says something like, "I feel the stars have always been in my favor." But it's back to Will. You know, they're off duty, and they've got the balance quite right. And um, that ends. Yeah, I was, I was a little. Well, does it end? <laughs> Do we want to talk about the post-credit scene? Um, where Q appears. It was a weird disposing of the emotional ending of season two, wasn't it? It was weird to kind of go, ah, well, you're just thinking too linear about that. I'm not really... (laughs) A set-up for a a new show again? Yeah, definitely a set-up for a new show. I love the idea that Q could appear in that show. He still looks very sprightly for a man that is obviously... um, you know, somewhat advanced in his years. Um, so I, uh, I'd love to see him in a new show. Uh, I love the um, the look they chose for him as well, the sort of 
cue continuum look. It was yeah, funny. That's good, but I think that's you know that's Anthony's show. I, I I I left it where they were playing cards and very much a throwback to all good things right the way it ended and and he said i should have done it and then for me in all good things he yeah the card had sat down once and was going to develop this relationship and a lot of the things you saw kind of made sense because he had developed this relationship with, with the crew where was guinan i yeah i'm assuming that she was um she was slightly off screen and, and for some reason they couldn't get her to appear as a cameo, which felt like a shame. But they 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 were kind of talking about her as if she was just out of shot. All in all, when we when we decided to talk about this show, we had no idea what we were in for. We had lots of theories throughout. Lots of fun watching this. It was it was entertainment. Really liked it. Great great job to everyone everyone involved here. Just thought it was great. This third season has felt like very much what we really wanted from a Star Trek Picard show and what I think what felt missing from season one and season two was you know these the rest of the crew and although I think you know we didn't get TNG season eight what we did get was absolutely brilliant and I think it's fully deserving of the sort of high ratings that it's it's getting from the fans and I, and I hope that it it's been enough to sort of spawn more Star Trek set in this time period yeah absolutely so here we are normally we we do a little conclusion section and we we think about you know what's coming next week any any suggestions but of course there is no next week this is the end of this season of the podcast and uh, i hope you've uh, enjoyed listening if you if you want to get in touch with the show or get feedback you can you can do that uh, you you can email us at shuttlepodcastshow at gmail.com you can also um, follow us on twitter we're at shuttle underscore podcast it's been a it's been a pleasure discussing it with you mark let's uh let's see what what comes up next in the star trek universe that we or or sci-fi universe i should say that we might feel like discussing again i mean i watched an episode of mandalorian season three earlier we could talk about that and we've got Strange New Worlds coming out in June, so... There's all sorts of things we could talk about. But until then... And also, where was Laris?